Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. Last week we started the sermon series on uh, putting on the whole armor of God and, and we started entitling it, calling it, uh, let's be honest. And if we're honest with ourselves and we see the world that's going on with <laughs> all these fights over politics, theology, science, sociological issues, suicide, fights, mass shootings, wars, you name it, you just keep going. I think at some point... We have to be honest because it's easy to fight the symptoms, isn't it? It's easy to look at things and just go, I'm just going to only fight what I see is maybe the symptom and not really the root cause. And I think we have to get to a point of being honest with ourselves if we're going to fight the root cause. We draw lines in the sand always, don't we, of if you cross this, instead of actually changing our hearts and, and seeing where God is going. We're not really led by the Holy Spirit much, uh, which we're going to talk about. I'm really excited, by the way. If you stick with this, uh, at about week eight, we're going to look and dive into the Holy Spirit, which I think just opens up tons of things for us. Do, I, do you feel like you're really far away from me? I feel like you guys are like super far. It's throwing me all sorts of off. I shouldn't say that. All right, so uh, let's move on. Do you, here's the question that I asked last week. Do you filter everything through the truth of God, or do you just filter through what your truth is and what your opinion is of things? Do we actually look at what's really going on, or do we assume that we know what's going on? Because if we're really truthful with ourselves, we need to understand that truth comes from God, that he is the ultimate truth and that truth exposes the reality of what's really going on and asks us to fight the root cause, not the symptoms. And then truth helps us stand firm when right and let go when we're wrong. And so today we actually get to go on to the next one, which is the body armor of righteousness. And so I want to be honest and open with you guys about what that looks like. And so we're going to be honest today. Let's read this together, starting in verse 10 of Ephesians, and it says this. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. This is what's really going on right here. For we are not fighting against the flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to, be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from good news, so that, you will be able, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. 
This is what's really going on, is that people, there are, not people, well, I do think people, but there are unseen powers out there that are fighting for your soul. For the people around you that every day you go to work with, they're fighting for your soul of whether you will see God for who he truly is or whether you will walk away from him and reject him completely. Those are the two opposites. There's nothing else going on. That is completely the bottom root cause. And when we are honest and open and looking at these things, we realize that Jesus is in the complete midst of it going, I'm fighting just as hard. And we're we're realizing it and we're looking at it. And so today, when we look at the body armor of righteousness, I wonder if you realize that it's not your own righteousness. I love the verse in verse 16 when it says, Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. And so today I want to dive in a little bit further about what that actually looks like for us today. Because I felt it, I, I, I thought it was really interesting that the belt of truth and the body armor of righteousness are both in the exact same verse. Everything else has its own verse. And I was curious about what that looks like because here's the deal. It's God's truth and it's God's body armor. And everything needs to be soaked in him first and foremost before anything else. And I wonder if when we walk around, we try to actually continue to do things on our own constantly. If when we look at truth, we hear things like, well, whatever truth is good for you, you just keep on doing that. No, it's God's truth. It's his ultimate truth. It is his absolute truth that we need to be listening to. And then when it comes to righteousness, we start to realize that if it's actually God's truth that we're listening to, we have nothing to stand on when it comes to righteousness. And so if you're taking notes with me, the very first thing that you're going to put down here is this. So let's be honest. No amount of being right or being good is ever going to make you good enough to stand tall before God. I'm sorry, that's my own typo. That's my fault. You can scratch out right and put good. Say it again. So let's be honest. No amount of being good is ever going to make you good enough to stand tall before God. If it's God's righteousness, then that means that if he's the creator and sustainer and he's holding everything together and he is the one that from the foundation has always been and we know that to be the truth, how could we ever think that we'd ever be close to good around him? And so you need to realize that you can never be good enough and you need his righteousness. But if that's true, I, I kind of got smacked after I was, as I was um, skiing uh, this weekend, actually not this weekend because we're still in the weekend, but I was skiing on Thursday and Friday and I was starting to think about what is good and how would people take this if I said, hey, you'll never be good enough to stand in front of God. 
then the opposite of, tr the opposite of it is also true. Because there are some of you in this room that say, yeah, you're right, I'll never be good enough. And so why would God ever accept me? And so we have to look at the reverse side of this before we go into anything else. And it's like this. So let's be honest. No amount of being bad is ever bad enough to be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so if you're in either of the extremes, if you're sitting there going, well, I am a good person, I am great, I'm fine all by myself, God accepts me because I'm a good person, you'll never be good enough. But that doesn't stop there. And we're going to go on to that a little bit. But if you're in this room saying, but I am already bad, why would God ever accept me? The point is, is that you can never be bad enough to not be covered by the, sin, by the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, I think when we look at those things, I, I think we realize that it's really not about what sort of sins we do. It's honestly because you need to realize that you're a sinner. You need to realize that, that you were born a sinner. That's, that's literally what this is about putting on the God's armor of righteousness is to realize that no matter what, no matter if I've done huge sins or, well, they're all sins, you need to realize that you're a sinner. You see, there's this thing um, in the Christian world, and I kind of like it, and so I'm going to use it, but there is the sin of what we would call the sin of omission, there's the sin that you just actually have, you don't really know that you're a sinner, and so you've done sins that you really don't know about, that you've never been faced with, that people are saying, hey, this is where you've sinned. And so you don't know, but you have sinned. And then there's another one where we talk about the sin of commission, where it literally means that you know what you're doing, but you're choosing to sin anyway. And so no matter where we find ourselves in, it was whether we're sin of omission or the sin of commission, it brings us back to the very symptom, actually the very root cause is this, is that do you realize that you're a sinner in need of grace? That's why I love hearing that song, Amazing Grace. And so the next question then becomes, well, if that's the, if that's the case, if I'm never good enough to be good and the only thing I can do to stand in front of God is to be made right, what's going on? What's happening? How do I have righteousness? How do I even get righteousness? And, and I think we find that in Romans chapter 3. And so if you will turn with me to Romans chapter 3, we're going to have some fun reading this. And we're going to start in verse 9. But before we do that, let's pray. God, I've pretty much just laid it on the table that none of us in this room is righteous. But God, would you answer for us? how we actually can become righteous through you. God, we live in a world in which 
everything around us is actually not right. We see it all the time. We see it in the news. We, we see it walking around. We see it in, in books we read that we realize that the heart of man is truly wicked. But God, you've had a plan all the time to be able to bring us to you, to make us right so that we can stand in your presence, so that we can enjoy you. And so, God, would this be a joyous occasion for the rest of the time, not something that just beats us down, but a joyous occasion? In your holy name I pray. Amen. I want to read with you guys, uh, starting in verse 9, and, and we'll, we'll kind of get to some other things, but it's going to be a little dark, okay? You're going to feel like the Bible uh, yells at you a little bit or tries to um, discourage you, but I, I want you to realize something. I want you to realize that this is the most freeing thing at this point. If you would realize that you are not righteous right now as a sinner, man, uh, we get to come to a place in which opens up so many things for us. And so let's read this together, starting in verse 9. Well, then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? Or let's say Christians. No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jew or Gentile, are under the power of sin. As the scripture says, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Picture that one. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snakes' venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Ouch. Some of you read this and think, oh, well, I'm, I'm not in any of those. But I think we have to realize that we are in those because nobody is righteous. Nobody is right enough to stand before God. There's this TV show that just came out uh, that's called Biblical Living. I, I don't suggest you watch it, but I read through a, a couple things. Okay, I watched an episode. Um, and, uh, and I thought it was really interesting because this guy found out that his best friend well, his best friend died and he goes to his mom and his mom says, hey, uh, he his, sorry, the guy goes to his mom and says, oh, I'm sure he's in a better place. And his mom looks at him and goes, no, he's not. He's, he's in hell with Satan. And he goes, well, how do you know that? And she boiled down a whole entire life with being with Satan with, well, he just doesn't go to church anymore. He, he never went to church. He stopped going to church. And so now we have this idea that righteousness is about going to church. And then the show goes on where this guy doesn't want to uh, be uh, bad anymore. He kind of wants to have a healthy life. So he's going to live everything biblically. And so everything biblically started with uh, wearing the right clothes 
And then everything biblically started with uh, telling no lies. And then everything biblically started with, uh, the, the next one was, everything biblically was, uh, he actually stoned a friend of his, which is weird. He just threw a rock at his head. That's it. Um, but I looked at it and I go, so basically we've boiled down to the whole entire Christian faith with don't lie, wear the right clothes. Um, and uh, if, uh, if you need to stand up, uh, throw a rock at somebody and go to church always. Completely missing the fact that he was understood that he is a complete sinner and he couldn't follow the law. He couldn't follow the biblical, uh, the Bible completely. In fact, actually, in this sitcom, in this sitcom, the guy goes to a priest and the priest goes, you do realize that you'll never be able to follow the law completely, right? It's too hard. It's too difficult. And he goes, well, at least I have to try. I'm going to go all in. That's the problem with us, right? We think that we can do it. We think that we can take this whole jumble, this whole Bible and say, I've got this. I can live righteously. I can do it on my own. Completely missing the next part of the scripture. Like they, they never once talked about Jesus. Because if they did, it would be all over. There would be no sitcom, right? It would just be, ah, well, Jesus covers you, great. Now, I know it's not that easy, and we're going to go into it a little bit more, but I think, I find it curious, why do we do that so much? Why do we make it so easy about just a couple things and, and kind of slide over the rest? If he would just come to this moment and go, I'm not righteous and I'm an absolute sinner. We need to work on some things because it brings the question of this. How can we then become righteous? So the next note is this, that the only way to become righteous is faith in Jesus. The only way to become righteous is faith in Jesus. Romans 3, 20 through 22 says this, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands by making it about wearing the right clothes, by making it about lying, by making it about going to church, by making it about uh, stoning your friend when they're wrong. No. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. You, it says it right in <laughs> the stupid comedy. You can never do this. And the guy never asked why. He just says, yes, I can and goes on. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Whether by omission or commission, we are sinful human beings. No matter how bad you are, no matter how good you think you are, you're still sinful and it still separates you from God. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. If you don't miss, if you miss everything else that I'm saying, listen to this one right here. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. 
no matter if they're the worst sinner or they're the most self-righteous person, if they would come to this point and realize that their righteousness comes from Jesus Christ, man, they are then set free. Here's a problem I have with this statement, though, because I think we get a little bit confused and we, um, we can get discombobulated in the Christian world just by saying, hey, just believe or have faith in Jesus Christ. And so I have a little bit of a test for you guys that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you do with me. And so I, I have this question. How many of you know who Satan is? Raise your hand. How many of you think Satan knows that God created everything? Raise your hand. How many of you think that Satan knows who Jesus is? Raise your hand. How many of you think that Satan knows Christ died on the cross for his sin? How many of you think Satan knows 90% of the Bible? Yeah. Okay, how about this? How about, let's even go down to 50% of the Bible. How many of you know that Satan knows 50% of the Bible? So I have a question for you. What's the difference between you and Satan? <laughs> Raising your hand. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really great question to think about then. Because if we just boil it down to this is just, uh, well, just believe in Jesus and you'll be okay. And we've got a fundamental problem in our relationship with God, I would say. Because I think that it's not as simple as just saying, hey, yeah, I'll just believe in Jesus and, and everything's going to be okay. Because in James 2.19, it clearly says, and I didn't have, Tony, did I have you pick that up? Thank you. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God good for you. Even the de demons believe this and they tremble in terror. wait a second, didn't Romans just tell us that if we have faith in Jesus, we can be made right? And you're absolutely correct. <laughs> this one piece of scripture is phenomenal. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is for everyone, no matter where they're at. But I think the next question becomes, we need to change that into the idea of what does faith actually mean? Because faith isn't just boiled down to what that says about uh, demons believe in Jesus. I think it boils down to a little bit more of, okay, so how is faith played out? How does faith work in our lives? And so I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a, uh, of a task to do. I, I want you to read the rest of Romans chapter 3 at your house. And we're going to go right to the very end of Romans chapter 3, verses 31. And it says this. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. This is what makes you different than Satan. 
that you would see a need for repentance in your life, that you would see that you're a sinner and you say, no, I need the blood of Jesus Christ. Whereas Satan says, sure, I see that, but I can be like God, and I'm going to continue to try to be like God. It's the one choice in our lives to finally come to the point of going, I'm never going to be good enough, and I can never be bad enough, and I need Jesus Christ. Two, desire to fulfill the law. And so, if you're still with me and taking notes how to have faith, the first is this, repent. The next one is believe. And the last one is fulfill. Fulfill the law. Do what it says. I have a perfect example of of this a little bit um, in my life, and it happened yesterday. Um, the whole idea of believe, believe is very interesting to me because if you believe without actually acting upon it and actually fulfilling it, we, we've got a little bit of problem, right? We actually don't believe because if we say we believe Jesus and we say that he's got all of this, what a, and we say that he's got the answers to everything, what about all the things that he said in the New Testament? If we believe that he died on the cross for us and that he rose and that he sits on the right hand of the Father, and he, he commands everything from that spot. Why do we not believe the other things he said before that? The things like, hey, love your neighbor. Hey, do not let money control you. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on and on. Hey, forgive those who have done wrong to you. Pray like this. So yesterday, I was, I, I was trying to think about how, to, how do you do that then? How do you get to that point of uh, fulfilling those things and a desire to fulfill them? And I think, I think it's a point of going, we want to do the right thing. So yesterday, we left Harloton at about 11 o'clock, 11.30. And uh, my wife said, hey, do, do you think we need some gas? And I looked at her and I said, um, I said, no, we got three quarters of a tank. That's, that's plenty of, I mean, that's like 300 miles left in our vehicle. We can make it home. And so, uh, so she's like, well, at least maybe just check it in Malta and uh, you, you will be good. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do that. And so um, in my mind, I'm like, no, we can make it. And so I believe, I believe we can make it. I believe God is going to get us back to Glasgow. And so I hit Malta, and I was at a quarter of a tank, right, uh, left in my gas tank. And I was like, yeah, yeah we're, we're good. And so we get to Hinsdale, uh, and uh, actually I get three miles outside of Hinsdale, and my gas light comes on, right? I'm like, I'm good. Like, that means that's, there's 30 more miles. We're good. Gas tank's empty at 30 more miles, but I believe we can make it. But just to be safe, as I got out of Hinsdale, I started praying, hey, God, would you please help us make it home? Would you, would you just please help us make it home? And so I was 15 miles out, and I was like, yeah, we're still going strong. This is amazing. I'm going to make it home. And we did. We made it home. It was phenomenal. 
(laughs) No, of course we didn't make it home, right? 15 miles out, all of a sudden it dies on me, completely dies on me. And I'm just praying, oh, thanks for showing up, God, right? Like like we think those things, right? Like, thanks for showing up. And and I heard the voice that says, you had two chances to fill up and you didn't take it, buddy. Right? And so I limped into, uh, we got to the rest stop and I just sat there and I had to call a friend. And my friend came and filled up and so we could make it to Glasgow. But one of the things I, I thought about, uh, actually my wife said, why didn't you just fill up in Malta? I was like, because I, I, I thought I could do it. And she was like, but the light came on in Hinsdale. Like, why didn't you just fill up in Hinsdale? I was like, because I thought I could make it. Right? Like, I got this. Which is, by the way, the first time we've ever run out of gas in 12 years. I'm doing really good. I'm doing amazing. <laughs> Which is what we do all the time, right? We justify things by saying, hey, I've been good. Man, this is the first time in 12 years of marriage that I've done this. I'm good. Right? Or the other thing I thought about was, well, God, at least you, you didn't show up in the rest of the time, but at least you showed up and got us to the, got us to the uh, rest station so that my kids could jump out. I think we do that to God a lot, don't we? We sit there and we go, we get ourselves into a predicament and go, I believe, but we actually don't take it to the full degree, do we? We keep on uh, making excuses, oh, well, at least you did this, God. At least you had this. And God's like, wait a second, there's so much more. There's so much more if you would just actually do what I'm asking you to do. If you would actually look at it and go, man, it's, it's not how good you are or how, or how bad you are, but it is about following the law and wanting and desire to do it. Because when we understand we put on his righteousness, guess what happens? It's not a drag to have to stop and fill up for gas every once in a while. It's our, it's our pleasure to spend time with God and go, I am empty, God, and I need to be filled by you. It's not a drag to spend hours in prayer because it's so important that we hear from the voice of God. It's not a drag anymore that we, that we get sickness and we, and we sit there and go, what's wrong? But no, it's a drag to go, God, what do you want me to do to show how great you are in this moment? Because when we repent and realize that we are never going to be righteous and we need him and we believe that whatever he says has all the truth to live our lives, the very, few, the very last thing is to fulfill it. So go, God, I'm not perfect at this and I'm never going to be, but I desire to do exactly what's right. In fact, Only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. It becomes an absolute desire to want to know this stuff inside and out. That when we put on the belt of truth and we put on righteousness, we realize that we have to keep going back to truth over and over again and going, I want the truth of God. It's the only thing that's going to help me and it's the only thing that's going to continue to sustain me. Because everything else will be my own righteousness, which we've already understood that it is not righteousness. I want to be a person who every morning wakes up and goes, "Ah, I'm so glad that I'm saved by grace. Now I get to fulfill the law. 
Because for a while now, I think I've been doing the thing of, oh, I'm so glad that I'm saved by grace. I believe, I believe Jesus and do nothing to continue on. I get bogged down with things of trying to love other people. I get bogged down with doing the right thing in my home. I get bogged down with listening to God but completely squelching him because I don't want to really do that. I want to do what I want to do. I fill my mind with other things. And then if I don't fulfill the law, then the rest of the world who comes pounding in about all the stuff that's wrong... I just get overwhelmed, and then I do nothing about it. But in church, where I have a family, I can then go, God, what are you asking me to do? Spending time. What if it's just getting more knowledge about what's really going on? What if it's taking a plate of cookies over to somebody that you know is hurting? Maybe it's tipping the waitress a little bit more than, in, than you would. Maybe it's having coffee with somebody that you need to have time with. Maybe it's simply just being in the presence of God and going, man, I just need you right now because my tank is empty and I've been running on empty for a really long time. And God, you've given me multiple other times to fill up and I'm sorry that I haven't. Would you just please help me to believe and fulfill? Lord, I need to repent because I am not righteous. Which is a perfect segue into how we finish the rest of today. Because this has been sitting here the whole entire time and you guys have been wondering what's going on. And and the thing is, is that what happens when we repent and we believe and we fulfill is we come to a place of going, I just want to obey. I just want to obey uh, what God is asking me to do. I want to realize that I am not righteous, that I need to repent. And baptism is your guys' way as a church to be able to see a contrite heart, a person's heart who has said, no, I know that I'm a sinner and I need, and I need Christ in my life. And I want to believe in him as as I'm being baptized it is me saying I'm being buried and raised with him that my sins are being washed away and that I can come back in newness of life but the only way that happens is because of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ's blood is shed for us and so uh, we get to baptize one person the other person is stuck in St. Marie and so uh, Andrew Sean's is going to come up and be baptized with us today. Well, just you, right? Just you, not me. I'm not getting in this thing. Um, But uh, while we baptize him, I I want you guys to think about uh, how much you do need Jesus. How much his death, burial, and resurrection has given you the opportunity to be made right with God. And that you really need Jesus, and, and that's, that's, that's really what you need in your life. And Andrew, really, after I've talked with him, this is exactly where he's at in his moment. Is he's grown up in church all of his life. But one thing that he knows is that, uh, man, I, I, I want to obey at this moment, is, is I want to listen to what God is asking me to do. 
which is be baptized. And so while we're doing all this and talking with him, you guys get to be a part of watching him get dunked and come out in newness of life. And, but we're, we get to talk to him a little bit. But while we do, I, I want you to uh, listen to this song and realize how much you also need Jesus in your life, how much you need to come to the point of repentance and say, man, I, I am sorry, Lord, for the things I've done against you. And I want to believe in, in your righteousness so that it covers me. And I am made right with God because of you. And that I want to believe in you even more to the point of just saying, I want to fulfill your law. Okay. Let there be no mistake. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What was said today was not that belief alone does not save you. Belief alone does save you. What doesn't save you, what doesn't save you is just saying you believe. Believing does save you. Saying you believe does not save you. Are we, are we clear on that? I'm a unicorn. See, words don't make it true. <laughs> Romans 3, 22 that we went over today. The, righteous, the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. <clears throat> I think we can say it this way. How many of us in this room believe in gravity? We don't have to say it. We just live it. We just walk around like we're not going to float away. None of us have anchors attached to our ankles. We don't, we don't like make sure we always have a roof over our heads so we don't float away. We just live it. Seth believed he had enough gas. He didn't have to say it. He lived it. <laughs> it was a mistake, but he lived it. And so belief in Jesus looks just like the way we believe in gravity. You live every moment of your life like there's no question. You don't need the anchor on your ankle anymore. The chains are gone. You've been set free. We no longer have sin. We can live as though we believe. Let's pray. Lord, it is so beautiful to celebrate with a brother, with a sister, as they profess outwardly what's going on inwardly. Lord, as they are baptized into the family, and we thank you so much for Andrew and his family, and this family. Lord, as we walk out these doors to Glasgow and the surrounding area, Lord, there's a finite amount of people in this town. May they see that we believe. They can hear it in our words, they can see it on the bumper stickers of our car, but Lord, may they see it in the way we interact with everyone around us, that we know that there is one true God and it is you, Lord, that you are the creator of the universe, that you've done everything in your power to save us and all we have to do is have faith and put on your righteousness because we have none. Lord, we love you, we thank you for today, we thank you for the reminder of you covering all of our sins to be white as snow.
And all God's people said, Amen. Have a good day.